On this episode of With Maze and Mel, we're going to be talking about our different experiences navigating college. So we'll talk about how we chose our school, um, any accommodations we needed, the friends we made, and everything else in between. Um, again, we just want to acknowledge that everyone's experience will look different um, and everyone's story is valid. So don't think that your journey has to look just like ours. This was just how things went for us. Um, we're not medical professionals, so any recommendations we make on here are just based on our own experiences and what worked for us. And any changes that you make to your care should definitely be discussed with your providers. And so for this episode, we're actually going to try something a little bit different. And in previous episodes, Maisie has talked about her experience, and then I've talked about my experience. And in this episode, we're going to do kind of a Q&A and both answer the questions. And the questions were compiled from what you guys wanted to hear about. We put out a call to action on our Instagram and got some really great responses. So that's how the conversation is going to go. And if there are questions that you would like to know about that we don't get to, feel free to leave a comment on this episode or on our social media, and we'll try to cover it on a future episode. So with that, let's get started. So the first question that we have is, how did we pick our schools? Maisie, do you want to go first? Sure. So I knew that I wanted to be far enough away from home that mom and dad couldn't just pop in for a visit because, you know, you want your independence when you're at college. Um, but I also wanted to be close enough that if I really needed anything or I needed that extra support, that I would just be a car ride and not a plane ride. Um, so I didn't really know what I wanted to go for in terms of a program at that point. Um, I knew I wanted to go to a school that had um, a riding team of sorts because obviously riding um, horses is a big part of my life. Um, and I'll, we can talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but I, I think I knew I wanted to stay in New England and the school I ended up picking, I actually, um, a really positive influence um, in my life also went there um, and spoke really, really highly of it. So um, I toured a few schools like in Maine and they just didn't feel very like warm and fuzzy. Um, and I really wanted that community aspect because um, the high school that I went to was pretty big and like I didn't like being, um, I, I liked people knowing who I was. Like I didn't necessarily have to be like the center of attention or like super popular, but I wanted it to be small enough where like people knew each other, you know? So um, that was kind of how I picked my school. We ended up touring there um, and the people, I can't remember who the actual student was who brought me on the tour, but everybody was just so nice. Like everybody was very welcoming and like reached out and said hi and like someone helped us find something even though they weren't like part of the tour group and um it had a very like rustic feel like one of their um like what's the word i'm looking for i don't know like the thing that really like roped me in the library was made up of it was basically like a barn like there was a loft that you could go up into and you walked into like a silo and it just smelled like fresh wood shavings and like it was very like farmy um so i just really like i loved that part of it so that was kind of how i chose it it was like far enough away but also very like cozy and homey that's super cute i forgot about the barn library me too <laughs> and i went there <laughs> it's been a minute Seriously. It's weird when you reminisce the things that you remember. Yeah. So for me, my experience was kind of similar. I started out, I mean, I really wanted to move to a city and live in a city at some point. So I think early on in my dreamscape, I looked at schools like in New York and, you know, without ever knowing what that would entail. And then when it came down to being realistic, I just wasn't at the point where I wanted to be that far away from home either and didn't know if I could. So I ended up going to um, a state school 
two that was about an hour away. Um, and we toured, you know, with my senior class, quite a few schools, and some of them we were able to rule out, you know, pretty quickly based on accessibility. And so for me, like getting around campus, I was going to be using my scooter. And so that was something that was kind of a deal breaker at a lot of schools. And there was one school in particular that was a really good liberal arts school really close to home. And so for a while, I thought I would be living at home. Um, but then I interviewed there and it was just like a really weird vibe and they were sort of demeaning and not really nice to me. And I ended up not getting in, even though everyone said I was kind of a shoe in. So that was, oh yeah. So that kind of made up my mind for me. Um, but the school I ended up going to, you know, had, had a lot of the same vibe. Like it was a very small community um, and everyone was just really nice. And when I toured it, um, I also looked at the health center and talked to them kind of about what my needs were and just, you know, where they might come into play. And they were really, really receptive. They weren't like, oh no, we're not touching this with a 10 foot pole. Um, they made sure that I would be in the accessible dorm, which also was in the same building as the health center. And people just really made sure that all my questions were answered and they felt ex and acted excited about me going there. And the other reason I went there was they have a really well-respected creative writing program that only accepts seven people a year. And I got into that program. So that was pretty much what sealed the deal for me was that kind of not like exclusive, but it was something that not a lot of other schools had. Um, that you could really focus in and have that core group of classmates that would follow you through the whole program. So that's kind of how I chose where I went. That's cool. And you kind of touched on our next one too. So that was a good segue. Um, so the next question is, did you utilize health resources on campus? So is there anything you want to, to add to that about what you did? Yeah. So I utilized them, I think we had a few different like scenarios where they started off helping me with some of my medical stuff, um, if I needed it, like setting up my tubing and things like that early, early on. And I'll be honest, I don't remember a lot of my first semester because it's such a whirlwind of me trying to just navigate how to be in college. And so a lot of what I talk about will kind of be reflective of that. But the one time I really utilized them, I remember I pulled an all-nighter when I was taking a, a lot of like a very heavy class load that I'll talk more about. But I pulled an all-nighter and then I woke up in the morning and my heart was just racing and I knew that something was not right. And I just, I felt like I had a fever and I was like, oh, this is not good. So I remember going down to the health center in my pajamas and my Hello Kitty slippers. And I just stood in the doorway and was like, I need to talk to somebody like this is not okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. And mom ended up coming to get me and I went to um, the hospital, you know, closer to home after they like took my vitals and everything, but they really were so amazing and kept me calm and helped me come up with a plan. And I just remember them being so great and they never brushed me off and never, you know, made me feel like I was a burden or that I shouldn't be there. Um, and I think that was such a great part of being at that school was just, they were so open and willing to, to help me with things, whether it ended up, you know, going somewhere else eventually. Um, but they were, they were just awesome. What about you? So I, I feel like I introduced myself to the health center. So I like made that initial connection and was like, Hey, I have this going on. Like, I don't anticipate that you will need to like do anything to assist me. Like if it gets bad enough, I'll just go to the hospital. Um, but I feel like that was kind of one of the first conversations that I had. Um, and I think I should have probably looking back, um, been more communicative of, or with the hospital in that town um, because I did end up having to go there and they were completely befuddled <laughs> with what I needed. 
Um, and my roommate had to like chase a nurse down. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah. So I think looking back, I should have maybe made that connection a little bit stronger proactively. Um, that being said though, the health center on campus, I did utilize frequently for, um, typical college stuff. So, um, mental health support, they had, um, a certain amount of free counseling sessions that I took advantage of. Um, and there was one therapist that I had there and she was, um, one therapist that I had was amazing and super supportive and receptive. And then one therapist I had was a grad student and she just talked to me about how sad her life was and how she was never going to get out from under this like paralyzing debt. And I was like, that's, that's helpful foreshadowing. <laughs> um, should have listened to her, honestly. Um, but also like um, being treated for UTIs, being, you know, tested for STIs, things like that, like college student stuff, you know, the stuff that you don't necessarily want to like call home about or like see your like childhood PCP about. Um, they were super great about that. No questions asked. Um, you know, might've been like a low copay, but they were, you know, most of it was, was taken care of. So, um, yeah, definitely wish I would have made some of those connections a little bit stronger, but, um, the health center was, was there when I needed them. So that was cool. Well, and it's interesting you say that too about mental health, um, because that's so, so important. And my first semester looking back, you know, now that we're really doing this reflecting, I was so depressed. I was very, very depressed my first semester and I was struggling a lot because I always had had that support at home and at school and I had friends and um, I, it was just, I didn't know, I was focusing so hard on being successful in all aspects of being at school that I didn't have time to, to really socialize. And that was something that I as an extrovert like really needed. And there was mental health services, but there was also like a little bit of a stigma around it. And it was such a small community and a small school. Like if you went, then like everyone knew. And it was like, you know, in hindsight, I really would have benefited from that. So I would encourage people you know, even if things are going well, if you're going through something rough or whatever, definitely like tap into that because I wish I had, and I think it maybe would have prevented me from getting sick when I did and just having, you know, coping mechanisms and strategies and maybe ways to advocate sooner than I did that would have made my first semester a lot easier. And I, so I had a really profound conversation with my therapist in college and it honestly was a game changer for me because I had had, I can't remember if this was after I had been in the hospital and things had kind of shifted or if it was just like a conversation that we had in the midst of everything. Um, but we were talking about having a chronic illness and going to college with a chronic illness. And um, I think I was trying too hard to not, neglect isn't the right word, but like minimize my, my illness and the, and the care and the management of it. And I was, you know, I was tired. I was taking a full class load. I was you know, on the writing team, I was on, in dance club, I was doing everything. And she said, you know, it doesn't have to be all of you, but it is a part of you. And in that, she just meant like, it's okay to accept, you know, accommodations or to communicate that you might need more time. She's like, you need to basically take care of yourself or this just isn't going to work. And I think it's really interesting hearing about my experience and your experience, because even just in that short amount of time between you going to school and me going to school, like the, the conversation around mental health has shifted so much, you know? So I really hope that it is starting to be normalized to, to utilize those resources. I agree. And that um, again, kind of gets into our next question which is, did you have academic accommodations? I 
don't, I don't think I did. Again, like I think it was one of those conversations that we had when I was touring schools and when I was looking at schools. Um, and I think we probably like met with that department. Um, but I think because the school was so small, I felt comfortable building that relationship with my professors. And there were some professors where I was really open, like in terms of disclosure, there were some professors I was really open and honest with. Um, and there were some professors where I would just say like, oh, I'm sick or like, oh, I you know have to go home for something or whatever. And I would figure out how to, um, how to navigate that per class and per professor. Um, I definitely think it's like a good conversation to have just because if for some reason you have a professor who, I don't know, pulls that crap where they're like, they don't believe you or they don't, you know, hold up their end of a conversation that you had, like having that documentation is super important. Um, and especially, you know, if you need very specific accommodations, letting them know ahead of time so you don't have to like backpedal. Um, but personally, I don't think, I don't think I necessarily did. Did you? So my experience was a little bit different. I, I didn't have like standardized accommodations. Like again, the first semester was like a pretty bumpy road and I did have an established relationship with our disability services center, which I want to mention was in this old, old, old building with a lift that would like a wheelchair lift that would go up this narrow, narrow flight of stairs, like literally like a ski slope to the point where I would leave my scooter at the bottom of the stairs and just go up the stairs, which is such a poorly placed disability services office. Um, it kind of blew my mind. So that was funny in itself. And I remember the woman who worked there and she was super nice. And for me, the accommodations were really around when I got sick and I, I took a couple months to or a few weeks, I don't even know. Time is so weird in college. I missed most of the first semester, basically. It was winter and I got sick. And so I was home on IV antibiotics and I was really, I mean, what we now know as virtual learning without the video component, but really just keeping up with the assignments and, and submitting them when I could and really doing everything I could. And I passed my classes, um, some by the skin of my teeth, but then when I came back and I, I had this big sort of introspective period of if I wanted to go back and, you know, mom and dad, of course, were really like supportive of like, you know, if you want to stay home and go to a community college or if you want to take some time off, um, whatever you want to do, you know, we'll 100% support you. And for those who know me, one of the things I'm really, really bad at is um, quitting things, even when they're very hard. And I don't want to say that anybody who makes the shift to a community college or has to take some time off is quitting by any means. But for me, it just, it didn't register in my brain what it meant to not finish something the way I started it. And so I wanted to go back and when I did, I probably met again with the Disability Services Center. And what we realized was that my advisor had me taking in ridiculously heavy course load for anybody. Like it was unrealistic for the average student, let alone for somebody who was also managing a chronic illness. So um, once we adjusted that and looked at my schedule of like what is reasonable. I took less classes. Um, I was still taking what I needed to be a full-time student. Um, I made different arrangements like with support systems and I also was able to get a nurse um, to come to my dorm room and do the medical tasks that our nurse at home was doing. And that was huge. And granted, I had good and bad in that um, experience as well. But it was so nice to be able to focus on 
my academics. I almost said my studies. Focus on my studies, mm-hmm. um, like a Grammy, and and a social life. I was able to take time to be healthy and be well and not push myself to the limit so that I was able to get my work done and meet some people, have friends. And one of the other accommodations I had um, was I did have a medical single. And that was both a blessing and a curse because when you have a roommate, you have sort of, you know, whether you guys become best friends or not, you have that built-in social interaction and you instantly meet somebody. And for me, I was alone. I was at the end of a hallway and I just, I was in class all the time. And then I would do my medical stuff and I would do my homework and no one really saw me. Mm -hmm. Um, It just didn't happen as organically. So once I had that sort of the schedule thing sort of figured out and the medical piece figured out, I made some really great friends like in my hallway and um, it just, it sort of evolved from there. And the last sort of accommodation thing, which isn't really an accommodation, it's more of an advocacy component is we had um, some doors on both my dorm and the common areas like the cafeteria building that weren't accessible. And I actually advocated to get um, electronic door buttons on those buildings and they coded my student ID so that when I was entering the dorm, if I swiped it, the door would open automatically, but just for me. And I also want to add now that my current apartment building has that too, which is kind of amazing. So that was a, a big thing that obviously made my life easier, but also other students with disabilities, um, benefited from that. And they also built a ramp to the creative writer house, um, where some of my like honors writing classes were so that I would be able to participate in the little cozy elitist study area with coffee and tea and we could kibitz about our writing. So they were very open to those kinds of things, which just made it so much better and made me not feel like a burden and those kinds of basic accessibility things made my life a lot easier while I was there. So yeah, that's awesome. I actually, I need to look at, I took all these notes and haven't actually looked at them. Um, Cause you mentioned the medical single thing. And so I remember my freshman year, um, I started out with a medical single and then I actually made some friends who I wanted to live with. And I, I'll talk about them a little bit later on. Um, But there was so much, like, not, I don't think controversy is the right word, but, like, just the, um, I guess, perception that, like, I was lucky to have a medical single and, like, people, you know, didn't like their roommates and they were like, oh, you're so lucky that you get to, like, have the space to yourself. And again, like, I chose to live with people after I figured out my own medical situation but part of the reason I did have a medical single was because so much of my supplies took up like half the room so I had like a set of drawers for my tubing um, a mini fridge for my TPN like it was you know it, it was nice in a sense because I had a place to like get away and be by myself and stuff but it wasn't like it was, you know, not the typical college roommate experience that first year where you figure out who you're living with and stuff like that. So it was just sort of that like misconception that like, oh, you're so lucky. And then later on, like everybody got a medical single and I was like, okay, like I get it. Um, And the other thing that I mentioned in my notes that I didn't talk about um, when I did have to go to the, hospital that one time um, I was really sick uh, I think with like sepsis or something at that point um, I had a reaction to one of the antibiotics and um, but it was it was uh, they didn't anyway they didn't know what the infection was so this one kind of just like treated everything so it was the best case scenario um, but I was still allergic to it so they gave me Benadryl in accordance with the antibiotic, but it made me super sleepy and super out of it. And I was taking, I was a psych major 
and I was taking statistics. And so I was trying to do stats homework high off my butt on Benadryl (laughs) in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I think that was when I decided to switch my major a because I had taken some other classes that were really interesting and more in the direction of what I wanted to do but also because there was no way in hell I was taking stats again whether or not I was on Benadryl so that was something that again I probably could have communicated better about but um I don't regret my decision to switch it it was definitely what I wanted to do but um yeah you you do what you have to do (laughs) pretty much I have those memories, too, of writing papers in the hospital and emailing them from the nurse's station before Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi was, like, commonplace. It was like, can I send this to my teacher? And then some of the professors would be like, why are you sending this? I'm like, because it's due. So When I was working after college, too, I was in the hospital, and I was getting ready to hop on, like, a video call, and both of my coworkers were like, why, what are you doing? Like, you don't mm-hmm. need to do this. And I was like, no, please. Like, this is a sense yeah. of normalcy that I desperately need right now. Right, exactly. So, really funny. So the next question, talking about healthcare, um, I thought was a really great question, is did we utilize campus insurance or keep our own? So I think that one's especially interesting as I am still navigating higher education um, and they, I got my bill for this past semester just recently and they added it onto my, my tab basically um, and you have to actively opt out of it in this case. Um, And I don't know if that's something mom and dad did for me in undergrad because they dealt with a lot of the like billing and administrative stuff. God bless them because I could not have um, at that point in my life. But um, I think I stayed on theirs as far as I know because it was during my time it was when um, the Affordable Care Act was a thing and the age got pushed out to 26. So I was well covered for my time in college. So I don't think it was an issue. Mom can correct me if I'm wrong, if she wants to listen and comment, but um, yeah. What about you? Because that was obviously a different time. Different times indeed. (laughs) Pre-ACA. You are right. Um, And I actually had the same situation because although the Affordable Care Act had not passed. I believe we went through the channels where I could become an adult um, disabled dependent. So we just proved that I still needed um, that coverage. And often with student insurance plans, they are called, uh, they're what is called catastrophic coverage. So I remember reviewing my cover uh, my options when I went to grad school and basically what catastrophic coverage is is it will cover emergencies basically and maybe some preventative care but for people who are very medically complex and have um, very high medical costs so are what are called high resource utilizers catastrophic coverage is usually not adequate so um, I believe we opted out as well. And I remember physically opting out when I went to grad school. So that is a really, really great question. And uh, for those who do have chronic illnesses or disabilities, and you're looking at going away to school, definitely review your plan um, that the school offers you. And like Maisie said, make sure if you need to physically opt out of that, that you do that and that your um, coverage covers you depending on where you go and your age while you're in school. So I know another thing for me was that I was in state. So my secondary Medicaid coverage would still be the same and we wouldn't have to worry about any of those things. Um, And then then there are a lot of nuances about staying on parents insurance that it doesn't matter if you go out of state and a lot are very dependent on the plan. So when you're making those decisions, just make sure that you really look at your coverage and whether it's in-state, out-of-state, emergencies, all those things. So whoever asked that question, kudos, great thinking, love it. 
Yeah, definitely very proactive. So jumping back to like class and accommodations and professors, um, did you have any issues making up work for health-related absences? So this wasn't, um, one thing, this is kind of a roundabout answer. So first of all, not that I recall specific to professors, but like I said earlier, I was very, very communicative with my professors about everything that was going on and not necessarily like the nitty gritty, like, you know, what was going on medically, but, you know, where I was at in kind of my recovery process, um, if I needed extensions on certain assignments. And I was just always in touch with them. Mm -hmm. And I think for that reason, they were pretty receptive. And like we talked about, just really kind of amazed that I was keeping up as well as I was. And I can't remember, there might have been one class that I dropped, but it wasn't necessarily the health piece. It was just that it wasn't like the professor and I just didn't really vibe and I didn't want to continue with the class. And it was kind of a, just a different perspective kind of deal. But in terms of my health stuff, everybody was, was pretty accommodating as long as I communicated. Um, and I can't remember, I think there, there were a couple of classes. There was that one class and then maybe another one that I ended up withdrawing from. And again, I totally apologize because I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> like I have a, a weekly zoom chat with some of my friends from college and they talk about things and I'm like, you guys, I just don't remember. Like I literally, there's so many pieces I don't remember. So um, with that, I ended up taking a couple of summer classes at a local community college in order to graduate in four years. And although I did find ways to enjoy college, um, which we'll talk about, I didn't wanna be there any longer. Like. I just wasn't ever like a hundred percent happy there. And I just wanted to like get on with my life. So I did um, find a local school where I could take classes and the credits would transfer. So that's also another option for people if you're not able to take a full class load or um, need to withdraw or things kind of fall behind because of health reasons, looking at other uh, universities or maybe online programs where you can take those either foundational classes or for me it was um, a writing class, which was kind of funny because I was going to school for writing and the teacher like sort of caught on and I ended up being sort of the informal like TA because I was actually getting a degree in writing. So that was kind of a, a funny experience. Um, but yeah, so I ended up doing that in order to graduate um, in four years. And really other than that, it was just about communicating with my professors. And, you know, if there were assignments that weren't necessarily like essential, if I could do something else. Um, and, you know, everybody sort of had their own unique process for making sure that I was able to participate and get caught up. What about you, Maze? Um. I, first of all, I would just say, do your research if you're looking at schools. If you have the option to get your gen eds out of the way at a state school or a community college, freaking do it. Because I think everybody underestimates like vocational tech schools and community colleges. And I think it's a scam to get money to go towards private institutions and higher education is elitist bullshit. Um, but I loved my school, no shade. Um, but definitely look into that option, um, especially if you're undecided in terms of your major, because if you don't know what you want to do and you hop on to the wrong program track, then you're going to end up owing more money. But if you can get like math, English, uh, you know, science, whatever out of the way at um, a local more cheap school, um, definitely consider that nobody is, is hating on that option anymore. Um, but yeah, so I think, let me see, 
again, I, I did switch majors. Um, it wasn't because of the professor. She was amazing. It just wasn't, it was farther proof that I wasn't going in the direction that I wanted to go in. Um, the other thing I think is worth noting is that college is very different than high school in terms of the work and the completion of the work. Um, typically in college, you will get a syllabus that has the assignments ahead of time. Um, and you will probably have access to the materials to complete those assignments ahead of time, which allows for a little bit more um, flexibility in the completion of those assignments. So that makes it a little bit easier to um, not only stay caught up, but get ahead in the event that you think something might be happening. Um, the other thing about college is that professors vary. Their styles vary, their teaching styles vary, um, their communication styles vary, but for the most part, they just appreciate when you communicate, like what Mel was saying. So like you could, like there, there might be people in your class that don't go to a single class and they don't hear from them. And like, that is not okay. Like whether or not you are dealing with something, the least you can do is like shoot them an email and be like, hey, I've got some stuff going on. You know what I mean? Just so they know if you're like dead or alive, basically. Um, and if something happens where you are in a position where you can't do that, like see if one of your classmates can, just like making that effort speaks volumes. And that is probably more than some people in your class will do, especially if it's like a big lecture style class. You want professors to know who you are, even in the event that like you're out for two weeks, three weeks, a month, you know, like you want them to know who you are and you want them to know that you're trying. So I think that's like the biggest thing about that. And I think that's why I didn't have, I was kind of a brown noser in college. I'm not gonna lie. Like I went to office hours, I got stuff done early. Like I worked really, really hard. Um, but then when something did happen, they knew that it was serious. You know what I mean? Like they knew that I was trying and that I was doing everything in my power to like let them know that I was trying. Um, yeah. So I think that's like the best thing that you can do is just communicate. And like, there are some professors that will suck. Um, a friend of mine, like she had some um, stuff happen this semester and didn't get some assignments in and she did communicate and the professor totally led her astray. So in that case, like that's when you bring in other allies on the staff and maybe like the um, you know, accessibility department or whoever you need to, to back you and say like, okay, I have this documentation. You need to cut me some slack. Um, but for the most part, most professors I've had have been very receptive to just me saying, you know, I'm sick. I'm trying. Help me, <laughs> help me yeah. help you. <laughs> well, so. and I, I think one interesting thing too is in college, it's, there's a few different things. Like, I feel like when you get to college, there's a few assumptions of number one, you're an adult. And number two, you want to be here. And I felt like it was really humanizing. It's a point where I don't want to say that you and your professor are equals, but it's not the same as when you're in high school and elementary school. Like there are no like letters home to your parents. Like it's between you and the teacher and it's up to you to build those relationships. And like Maisie said, once they know you and know that you are committed to being there and that you will communicate and try and really try, if you start slipping or, you know, falling asleep in class or, you know, different things, it's more likely that that professor especially depending on the size, um, is going to notice and notice that something is up. And so, you know, it, it's not, it's funny you say you're, you were a brown nose or Maisie, because I think that is just sort of how we've had to approach life to show people like, we're serious about this and please take us seriously because if I do get sick, it's not me slacking off. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, well, I definitely want to do an episode about grad school because I think what you said about the different uh, learning institutions, you know, I have feelings about that as well. But I had some amazing professors in grad school who literally in a lecture hall of 100 students knew everybody's name. Mm -hmm. And that to me was just so amazing that she took the time to know everybody. And when somebody, you know, did have something going on, you know, that was recognized. And so um, I think, again, you know, in all of my advocacy lessons, the biggest thing I preach is communicate, communicate, communicate. And I think especially in college, that is just at the forefront. And I want to go back to what you said too, about how we, because I'm the same way, like to not finish something feels like a failure but I think it's a sign of resilience and self-awareness to know when you need to take a break. Because I was in a position just a couple years ago, I had started grad school, my work was paying for it. Um, I, you know, everything was working out and then a lot changed really fast. Um, not even necessarily health-related, just life-related. Um, and I, I took a leave of absence because it was, I had to figure out how I was going to pay for it. I was in the midst of changing jobs. I was in, in the midst of moving. So I just think that like, we, we are really bad about um, not, I, I don't know, like, just don't think of it as a failure if you do have to take a break. Like, don't take it personally. Don't think you did anything wrong. Definitely, you know, try your hardest, but like, your health comes first. And I think that's something that it's taken me a really, really long time to learn and that I still struggle with as an adult. Um, but don't think, you know, you are a failure or you're a quitter or you're not good enough or, um, or that you can't ever go back if your circumstances change. So I just want to make that really, really clear that like that's not the message we're trying to send. Um, but if you are in a position and you're afraid that your health is going to prove to be an obstacle um, and you want to try it, definitely be fairly transparent about that with the people who can be your allies, which I think is a good segue into our next question. I agree 100%. And I, I had many more of those realizations in grad school, which I'm really excited to do an episode about because I feel like grad school is like college times a thousand. So oh I'm really I'm glad in the midst of it right now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that will be another episode, but I'm just really glad you said that too, Maisie, because I think we've learned over and over again that your health has to come first, but please don't ever feel like anything we say or do is, you know, just because we are really, really hard on ourselves <laughs> and set our, our own standards ridiculously, um, maybe unrealistic sometimes. Again, everybody's journey is different. And if you take time or take breaks or weren't able to finish something, you're not a bad person. Absolutely. So our next question, um, were you selective about which friends to disclose your health needs to? Yes. So when I got to college, I think we talked a little bit about this um, when we talked about identity and our illnesses. When I got to college, it was the first time that I felt in charge of my own narrative and that I was starting fresh with people who, well, there were some people I went to high school with, but for the most part, because again, super small state town, um, it was, it felt sort of like a blank canvas and I had the opportunity for people to get to know me as a person before knowing about my medical situation. And again, it wasn't that I was hiding it. I just wanted to have a different sort of introduction than giving a presentation to my class. So for me, a lot of times it came up if people were hanging out in my room, uh, once I did have friends, they would see, you know, me setting up my TPN, like, or I'd be like, oh, I have to quote unquote, do the tubing, which is what we call it, um, to set up our TPN you know, before we would go out. So basically, if people came over to my room to pregame, they often saw TPN being set up at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, just to be real with y'all. And also when they would go in the fridge, you know, for a 
Corona once I was 21, um, they would also see TPN and multivites because fridges in college serve many purposes. So that was kind of, you know, how people would learn about it. And I was, you know, very open and, and happy to share. And, you know, I had great friends who sometimes were willing to help if I needed it or, um, you know, really became my allies in that. So um, it was, it was definitely selective um, as sort of my, my social circle evolved. Um, and I got some of my, you know, my really good friends by that because there are people who can accept it and people who don't. And I actually was reminded on one of our Zoom hangs of uh, someone that I did go to high school with who ended up at my university who was telling people that I just had a scooter because I was lazy. So as much as you work to educate people over the years, there are still people who, uh, not at the time you would expect, um, but still like to um, spread negative things about you. So um, she was not my friend, but yeah. So for the most part, you know, pretty people were pretty accepting and I shared what I was comfortable sharing when I was comfortable sharing it. Yeah. And I think in college, there's a different, there are like varying degrees of maturity too. And at least for me, that kind of played a role in how I, um, how it came up, I guess. So my, I think it was second semester of freshman year, um, there were two girls that I had met before we even got to school. So we had like a Facebook group that was like, call the Sawyer, freshman, whatever. Um, and they we like connected through that group and we like went on a trip we went to like an amusement park and so I like had some friends before even getting there who are still some of my friends today which is really cool um and they ended up being nursing majors and so they were enthralled with my medical supplies so um they like got to watch me set up my tubing and they helped me set up my tubing and my dressing changes and like they were in it so those were the two girls that ended up being my roommates um the first time so we were a triple which was crazy um and honestly like I wasn't like you said like I didn't try to hide it it just didn't come up so like obviously with my roommates like they they knew um but it just wasn't I don't know, it wasn't really something I like talked about often. I wasn't like, hi, I'm Maisie, I have blah, blah, blah. Like it just, that wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't a big part of my identity. Um, and I, I don't think it is even today, um, but come to fight, like, I feel like it is really important to have those people that you are comfortable sharing that stuff with because they can be your allies. Like one story I always tell people, my roommate, um, sophomore year maybe junior year I can't remember like like you said it's all a blur um but she is still one of my best friends to this day um and I ended up getting really sick um with an infection and we I was like I have to go to the hospital I was like this isn't good I can't drive home like this um so she came with me she when <laughs> when we get an infection we get a really high fever but we have chills for the most part um, so I always want to bundle up. So I had a, a pair of cupcake footie pajamas, like a onesie, a zip up onesie. So I wore that. She wrapped me in blankets and she brought me to her car and she took me to the emergency room and she stayed with me like the whole night until, um, until like visitors weren't allowed there anymore. But during that time, they wanted to give me a dose of, um, antibiotics just to hit off whatever was happening um and the nurse administered it too fast it was like too much and too fast it was just really bad that place was run by um monkeys and <laughs> and um so my roommate literally chased a nurse down the hallway to get me benadryl because i was so i got what's called red man syndrome which is probably not pc but that's what it's 
called. Um, and my face turns really red and my scalp itches and is on fire. And it's one of the most uncomfortable feelings I've ever experienced. And so she chased a nurse down the hallway and said, she needs Benadryl. <laughs> and that is like a story that I tell all the time because if you're too sick or too weak or just too tired to advocate for yourself, having that one person in your corner that can stay there until somebody else can tag in, um, which at the time was my mom and dad, um, that is that can make a world of difference. Um, and she was, I mean, she still is my best friend. We talk all the time. But um, that was how I knew that like, okay, she's, she's a real MVP, you know? Um, and I, I would love to later on in another episode talk about how having a medical device and a chronic illness impacted um, my more romantic relationships in college because I have some really funny stories. Um, and like I wrote about some of them in my blog, but I just think that's a really like solid indicator of how little I cared about it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's also a time like if you randomly end up at someone's house and stay longer than intended that, you know, a conversation is usually warranted. So, definitely. um, yeah, we'll probably, we'll, we'll probably get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, didn't really come up, but when it did, I was, you know, I told people. Um, I actually think that is another really good segue, um, into one of our, not quite last questions, but one of our other questions. Um, sorry, I'm scrolling through my notes here. Okay. Um, and basically it was have a relatively quote unquote typical college experience, i.e. dorms, alcohol, leaving home, etc. Maze? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's literally her answer in the notes. Yep. Period. Um, I feel like I did. I I loved college. Like you said, Mel, it was a chance to start fresh, figure out who I wanted to be away from all of the influences of family, middle school friends, high school friends, all of those pressures. Um, I was away from home. I got to learn about things that I was interested in. I joined the writing team. I joined the dance club. I took fascinating classes. Um, I... I didn't really party, honestly. Like we went to some, but then I realized it was all just like sweaty people throwing up and I was like, mm, I'm good. Um, but we like, my roommate and I would like drink wine and like watch scary movies and color. We loved to color. Um, <laughs> so it was just, I feel like it was kind of a chance to um, rediscover myself and who I wanted to be and what I wanted my my life to start to look like. So it was a really, it was a really powerful time for me. And I, I really, um, I miss it. It was, I feel like I took that time for granted and I would 1000% go back and do it all over again. Um, if I could. So what about you? Um, yeah, I, I think my experience was pretty normal after I figured out like how to do college, um, in a way that worked for me. And, it, I kind of got back to baseline. Like I had a ton of friends. Um, everybody knew who I was. I went out a ton. We had some favorite watering holes um, where, you know, some of our creative writing alum were bartenders and we would go and listen to live music. And um, we had some folks that would always like host parties at their houses and it was a really small town. So like people had apartments like really like close to off of campus, but like it was basically campus. So I would just like scoot down there. And I also have very fond memories of um, one of our favorite bars um, was at the bottom. Well, most of them were at the bottom of this really big hill. And I had a really beastly scooter at the time. So I would literally give people rides up the hill, like at the end of the night. And in hindsight, that would have been a great like side hustle. Um, but I just did it because it was really fun. Scooter Uber. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, and I, so when I was a senior, I was on whatever committee planned um, all the social events and I won a costume contest and I went to all the dances and it was 
it was really fun. Um, but I'm glad I got out when I did because it was also a, a very small town with people who often just stayed there and continued to make poor choices. So there were some, there were some pretty crazy things going on right under my nose um, that are not legal to this day. Um, and I, prior to going to college, was such a goody two-shoes, I guess. Like, I literally did not drink until I was 21, basically. And, you know, I still to this day have not done anything other than drinking. I had never kissed anybody before going to college. Like, this was a new world for me. So, you know, I, I think I just, I had a good time and I, you know, was with good people, but I'm really glad that I left when I did because people had fun in ways that were a little bit out of my league. But I remember yeah. when <laughs> during your spring fling, I think, spring fling, March Madness, one of those weeks, Yep. I came to visit and I was probably 10 and uh, your school was very liberal, which I think, you know, both, both yes. of our schools were, which I think helped shape us into the people that we are today. Yes. And uh, there was a drag race and I was thinking cars. Um, I was 10. I was not like exposed to a lot. And um, it was more like RuPaul's drag race so that was my introduction to drag queens and I was terrified <laughs> which which we I need to give a disclaimer because now having both of us experienced other drag queens those drag queens were terrifying terrifying like I remember them and I was scared it was more and like Ule brothers than RuPaul and for his head yes. that's a lot that's a lot I I also was in it's funny you say that because I actually was in a drag show and um we did fallout boy and Hanson I remember that it was so fun so it's kind of funny because I actually like was immersed into drag prior to my Denver drag circle. But yep. I mean, if there was something happening, like I was there and I did it and we had many spring flings. And although I did go home most weekends because it was just a school where a lot of people did. And because you were home and just kind of like having a weird time, like I wanted to see you and not go four years and be like, wow, Maisie, you're all grown up. And you hate um, your life. What happened? <laughs> yeah, that was did, a really tumultuous what time. What happened? <laughs> um, but also, like, I mean, you know, like, just our family is so close that I was like, you know, five days in the week or, you know, Friday evening, I would go home. And often on Fridays, I would go home for iron infusions and sleep the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Um but, I, you know, I don't regret that choice either because I think I had a good balance of independence and being able to kind of make choices and find my own way um, and then still have that family time on the weekend. Yeah. I went home some weekends too. It was just, you know, it was nice. It was a break. It was nostalgia. But, yeah. Um, so, overall, I think we are down to the last bit of it. And we kind of just covered this. Um, if you had to say one best part of college and the worst part of college, what would those be for you? Just one? I mean, summary. Um, I have to check my notes. Clearly, okay. I, clearly I, they were off the top of my head. I, so I'll go first while you okay. divulge. Um, so best part of college, making new friends, being in dance club, studying abroad, um, going to things like day glow and concerts and haunted houses and all the crazy field trips that we all took together. Um, worst part of college, definitely taking out so many loans. Sorry, mom and dad, didn't know much about that. <laughs> um, and I think just like college is like a completely separate reality. So trying to transition even still as an almost 30 year old trying to transition back into like 
not having a ton of friends who are close and not being able to like go down the hallway to your best friend's room and just like curl up on her bed um sucks <laughs> um and just not necessarily always being around people with a similar mindset um who want to learn and you know have that open-minded um perspective on things has you know obviously it's gotten easier as we've gotten older but it's something that I still I still miss totally so I found my answers so um the best part like you said was definitely friends um having that social life and also just having that easy access to social life and living in an area um where you know i could scoot everywhere and now that i live in a city that's kind of not as big of a deal because we planned that accordingly but when i was in maine it was the first time i had ever been able to like truly go somewhere independently without having to find a ride or um do you know a lot of coordination so that was really nice it was kind of the first time i had been able to be spontaneous and then worst part um i think for me i really struggled seeing especially my first semester seeing all my other friends be happy and i was on facebook in 2004 when it first started and that was my first year of college and what a year to be able to have access to all your friends who just went away to college who look so happy. And now we know that social media doesn't really capture everything. But at the time, I remember just sitting, looking at my friends' pictures who went out of state and just crying like late into the night. And I just felt so excluded and like I didn't get the chance to go where I wanted to go because of my medical limitations. And I think that was the first time that I had really been faced with, wow, like this really dictates a big part of my life mm -hmm. and that's not fair. And so I just went through a lot like emotionally processing sort of that grief um, and, and watching my other friends have and do things that I really wanted to do until I found that too, but it was still never really where I wanted to be. Like it worked for me and I met a lot of amazing people and had a great academic experience, but there were still things there that I just was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we access mental health resources, <laughs> my friends. <laughs> yes, indeed. Really, like, but you know, everyone's experience looks different and you know, sometimes you have to do what works for you, even if it's not necessarily where you want to be but on you know the other side of that same coin don't settle you know like there you know some things you there are limitations that you might have to come to terms with but you can either make the best of that situation or figure out your alternatives so everyone's, oh, everyone's experience looks different I, I thought of one other um story that i wanted to share when you were talking about making the best of it I worked really, really hard in school and I had gotten the buttons on the doors and, you know, excelled in a lot of ways. And I felt like it flew pretty under the radar. Like those things for me were just things that I did, you know, to make my life easier. And actually, um, during graduation, the president of the university um, gave me a special recognition that I had no idea was happening. And she started giving this speech um, about me without saying my name and about tenacity and just how this person really exemplified the university. And she announced my name. And I just remember like standing on a chair, bursting into tears and the entire, and our graduation was outside and the entire audience, just like a wave, like did like a standing ovation. And it was so surreal but it really made me realize that the things I had done that I considered really small made a big impact on not only the university, but the people around me and that the, cha the physical changes I had made 
would benefit students in generations to come. And so I think we often discredit our own accomplishments because we think that they're just, you know, us getting through the day or getting by. And that just really ended my college experience on such a high note of like, wow, you know, I did all this and I worked really, really hard. And here I thought no one noticed. And now like everyone at graduation is standing for me. And it was just so wild to end on that note. And I just wanted to share that because, you know, I think everybody who has that, you know, and builds that resiliency and, and powers through whether it's taking one college class at a time or getting your GED or, you know, getting a part-time job, anything that is a, a big accomplishment for you, it, it has a huge impact. So don't ever underestimate that. Definitely. Definitely. I think that's a good note to end on. Um, thank you so, so much for listening to our stories. Um, if there are questions that we didn't answer um, that you're still curious about, feel free to leave us a comment um, right on the episode itself, or you can find us on Instagram. I am the underscore Mazinator, and Mallory is Curb Cuts N, the letter N, cocktails. And um, yeah, I think next time we'll talk about some more of our adventures, but thank you so much for listening, and We'll see you next time.